Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. It's 1.30. It's March 27th. Uh, we're grinding through more episodes of the Meet the Shirt 18 Bloggers series that I'm doing. And today is uh, a, a local. I get to talk to a fellow uh, Atlantan, sort of. We both live in the suburbs, really. But uh, Mike Haberman, welcome to Drive Through. How are you? Thank you, Michael. I am fine. Glad to be here. Let's always look forward to having a conversation with you and always enjoy being on Blog Talk Radio. Yep. I, uh, I, I, we've done it a few times. I still haven't figured out which one of us is the other Mike. Are we both the other Mike or, or am <laughs> I the other Mike? No, actually, originally I was the other Mike because uh, I was replacing you uh, on, a, on a blog thing, so. I think there's some sort of mystery HR quantum physics thing there in place. And for those that don't know, uh, Mike Haberman and Mike Vandergort, myself, are uh, kind of of a similar age and uh, kind of kind of interested in some of the same subject matter from uh, from a HR perspective. And so over the years, uh, people began to refer to us as the other Mike. If it wasn't me, it was I knew they were talking about him and vice versa and Mike Mike was kind enough to pinch hit for me at a I think at a Tennessee Sherm uh, event that I wanted to go to but was was unable to and and uh, from what I heard did a great job. Well anyway Mike it's good to have you back on Drive. Um the uh, here. the way these show the way these shows have been going uh, they're kind of typical Mike Vandervoort interviews in that I just kind of wander around and and ask some questions um uh, about a variety of topics. We we will talk about Sherm 18. Uh, I think I want to cover a couple other things with you first. Uh, really, um, I think the first one is we both lived here in, in Georgia. I think this week, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm a very uh, lagging attent, uh, participant in any anything related to Sherm Atlanta, but isn't this week uh, the, the Sherm Atlanta's annual event here in uh, here in Georgia, or is that next week? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know. I'm not going to it this year, so I haven't really been paying so particular not- attention to the, uh, the, the dates. So I did see something come across on Facebook from Tila Jackson, who uh, was introducing somebody or thanking them for being here. So it's probably this week. Probably this week, yeah. I think uh, on the phone with Dan Chabelle last week, and I think he mentioned he was speaking here this week. I had uh, had a cup of coffee downtown with somebody that, I, that I've known for a while. In fact, the guy used to have the job that I used to have at Publix. He was a, he was a kept the chair warm for me until I showed up there for a while. We were, we were networking with a, a new uh, a new person whose wife just moved here uh, for a job, and so he left his old job in Chicago and is looking for an HR-related uh, uh, space. So, so if anybody's listening and you need an HR person in, in, the, in the greater Atlanta area, I've got a mid-level person I'd be happy to introduce you to. Uh, <laughs> having made that a logical pitch, um, we were, we were the guy I was having coffee with. His name is Doug. Uh, we were we both have lived here. He's lived here a long time, and we were both kind of bemoaning our, our relative lack of connections in the Atlanta area compared to our um, kind of our more broad 
U.S. or even international networks. And, and mine is, I'm not, I mean, I know a lot of people in Atlanta, but I don't see them very often. Um, and he said the same thing, that in his, in his hometown, he, he say, it seems like he spends most of his time with his wife. So I, I wondered if you had a perspective on that. Are you more heavily networked in Atlanta, or do you think you're more heavily networked outside Atlanta, Mike? I used to be very heavily networked in Atlanta. However, for about the past 10 years, um, when I moved into a home office uh, and started all of the blogging, and, and, and you know, particularly with the Sherm bloggers, uh, I've actually become more heavily networked on social media than I am in the Atlanta area. I certainly still know a lot of people in the Atlanta area, and because I teach classes, uh, at the University of Georgia, which I've just passed my ninth anniversary of doing that. Uh, I, I have a lot of people who are connected to me primarily through LinkedIn that are in the Atlanta area. But not not any regular – I don't go to a whole lot of SHRM meetings uh, in Atlanta anymore. Shame on me. I should. And uh, uh, so I, I'd say I'm probably more – virtually connected like you are than I am actually connected with uh, seeing people on a regular basis. Yeah, and I wonder I wonder if that's uh wonder if that's short sighted on our part. I, I don't really have an opinion one way or the other. I, I, I keep thinking to myself I need to do better in Atlanta, but when it comes time to like brave the traffic and drive in rush hour to go to some event or just stay home and watch whatever's hot on Netflix. I quite often choose Netflix. So the traffic in Atlanta is, is very daunting these days because of all the construction that's going on. So it, uh, you have to make a concerted decision to want to go see something or somebody um, and, and brave that traffic today. So I, you know, Many cases, many times, I opt not to do that. But uh, yeah, it's a little, probably a little short-sighted on our part. But uh, you know, at the same time, we have broad networks across the country and even across the world, and uh, you know, um, so it's a trade-off. Yeah, agreed. Um, <clears throat> baseball season is about to start. Are you doing uh, Atlanta Braves season tickets again this year? I think you did them last year, right? I. I, I did last year. I am indeed this year. As a matter of fact, we have our first ball game tonight, even though the season hasn't opened. The Braves are having their futures game where the the young players who are coming in or, and are on the minor league are going to be playing the uh, uh, the adult Braves, if you want to put it that way. And uh, so we're going to go see that game. We get to see some of the rising stars for the Braves, which hopefully are going to take us uh, to a much better record uh, this year than they did last year. You hope you hope they'll turn into into present day stars in in the National League. Um, you know, it's funny. Yeah. Um, at uh, the company that owns the Braves, I guess, is Liberty Communications, kind of a nameless, faceless. You know, so many other sports teams have a Jerry Jones or a Mark Cuban or a Steinbrenner or you know what whatever uh, behind them, kind of a person that's a, really the face of the organization. And in Atlanta, that really isn't. That really isn't the case, and I, I think sometimes that um, versus like Arthur Blank for the Atlanta United or for the Falcon for the Falcons, um, I think sometimes that hurts the Braves. But we'll see. I mean, they were they were a great team for a long time, and then that 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 
legacy is kind of fading now, and they're trying for something new. So we'll see. Anyway, didn't didn't, yeah, we'll, didn't we'll really see. talk. Didn't really <laughs> didn't really call the talk or plan the call to talk about baseball, and the Braves won't be that. That might be the last time I talk about them this year. So we'll see. <laughs> anyway, uh, what what are the other things, um, Mike? That um, you live out like I live in the, I live sort of in the perimeter in Atlanta, and you live out in Ackworth, which is kind of a bedroom community, I guess, on the on the west yeah. side, right? Um, yes, like no, northwest side, yeah. Northwest side. Um, yeah. How how different how how different is I mean I, I I stay in my own little zone here it seems in in Sandy Springs there's so much around here I don't really need to go and when I when I do go go somewhere I go downtown like on a Sunday or something you know to see a museum or go to Little Five Points but I don't really like explore I haven't really explored Atlanta so like how, how much do you get out into other parts of Atlanta and is there something uh, is there something that I'm missing out on by not uh, not leaving my little safe zone in Sandy Springs? Well, I, yeah, Mike, you, you are. I mean, Atlanta is is got a tremendous amount of uh, culture. Uh, a lot, you know, we got a great symphony orchestra, great art museum, um, and a lot of other little venues around the city that offer a lot of opportunities: theater, art, and music. Um, that that all of us should take more of a chance to get out and see. I, my wife and I belong to the, the High Museum of Art. We try to get down there uh, every once in a while, not nearly as much as we should. I was just reading an article the other yeah. day that, said, that was bragging about Atlanta's food scene, that we have a, a good number of award-winning chefs, both from having been on TV shows but also just in, in what they do and such a variety of food because even though a lot of people don't recognize the diversity of populations within the Atlanta area that, you know, for the most part, Atlanta is seen as being a black and white city. It's not, it is, there's a, a huge diversity of, of uh, cultures within the city that offer uh, amazing foods and of course, uh, you know it's it's one of the great centers of barbecue, uh, which is uh, <laughs> one of my favorite foods. So, yeah, I, I I think you, for your own good, Mike, you probably need to make an effort to to get out and uh, see some of that uh, that scenery. You know, one of the one of the jokes here about the Atlanta area is you know we have the 285 perimeter that goes around the city. 75 comes in one side and goes out the other, 85 comes in and one side and goes out the other, but within that circle. And that is called the perimeter. And the joke is that if you live inside the perimeter, you don't ever go outside the perimeter. It's called ITP, inside the perimeter, versus OTP, which is outside the perimeter. And I've found that most of us that live outside the perimeter are much more willing to come inside the perimeter than people who are inside the perimeter are willing to come out because they think we're just all nothing but country bumpkins out here and uh, no, nobody's going to come out and get any culture. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to do outside the perimeter, but at the same time, we come we come in. My my wife and I venture in quite often for theater, for music, for food, and, um, and, and now that helps that I've lived here since 1974, and I have ventured around the city quite a bit, and no, you know, feel comfortable in getting around. Uh, uh, you know, so it, it's. But it, it's worth exploring, and uh, one of the ways you can explore is by having a visitor come who has read all the tourist books 
and right. they come down and they ask you to take you down to some place, and uh, uh, you get out and see something that you perhaps haven't ever seen, or it's been ten years since the last time you saw it. And you'd be amazed how much it's been changed. Even even just yeah, the yeah. area around the world of Coke is is amazing. You get yeah. you know we got football hall of fame yeah. down there now, and so a lot of stuff. Mercedes Benz Stadium, and I, I know there's a there's a, actually a ton of stuff in Atlanta. I, I get out a little bit more than I let on there, but been to the High Museum a couple of times, and uh, <clears throat> went to a, went to an improv theater a couple of weeks ago. Had a great time on a Friday night. It was down in a in an area, and actually is leading me to contemplate taking an improv class. Um, to at this uh, just 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 to try it out. Uh, see how see how it is that the one is that the one that's taught by Jeff Justice? Um, that's one of the ones I'm looking at. Somebody someone really strongly recommended him as a great improv coach or a great improv instructor. Uh, and there's the there's the village there's the village improv and there's another one called the Global something or other. Anyway, yeah, there's a couple of them. I haven't I haven't settled on one yet because it won't happen until summer, but thinking about doing it. Um, so um, we have, so that killed the first 15 minutes talking about where we live. Um, that's not really what we wanted <laughs> to talk about. I did, I, I did want to talk about one more thing, Mike, uh, um, just from your, your more general. Um, and I actually didn't ask you to introduce yourself since I know you, I was just kind of like, Hey, let's talk. So, so before we go any further, why don't you tell people who Mike Hoberman is and what he does, and why the hell they're listening to him talk about Atlanta. So, Mike Hoberman is one of the old dogs in human resources. I have actually been in HR for about 40 years. Did not come to Atlanta to do that. I actually came to study monkeys and chimpanzees and get a PhD in comparative animal psychology. Ended up not doing that and got into the business world and eventually went and got a master's degree in human resources. Um, and uh, have spent my career working initially for a manufacturing firm, a, a big size firm here in the Atlanta area, I was with them just shy of 10 years, moved on to a high-tech firm and went to work for Fran Tarkington uh, in a software company that he had developed, and that was a rocket ride. At, uh, when I joined the company, I was about the 350th employee, and a year and a half later, we had over a thousand people. And then, as is wont to happen with a lot of software companies, it went kablooey. And at that time, I was living in a neighborhood that I, where I played tennis, and all of my tennis partners were generally either uh, business managers or business owners. And so, sitting around playing tennis, they were finding out I was. They find out I was in HR, and they would ask me their HR questions. And one of them finally said. Hey Mike, you need to um, hang up a shingle and uh, start giving advice to small business owners. And I said, Well, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And about two weeks later is when the company exploded. And I said, All right, there's my sign. So here's my sign. And uh, you know, talk, you know, giving uh, um, you know a comedian's pitch on that. And uh, that was 1991. And I have been consulting with small. Uh, businesses, typically under 100 employees, where the person that is responsible for HR is the accounting manager or the CFO or the business manager or the office manager, and they don't know HR. They don't necessarily want to know HR. Uh, they're looking for somebody to help them with that, and that's, and that's what I found. I've done that successfully since 1991. I also teach 
certification classes, and I've done that oh about 18 years. Uh, um, you know, with Kennesaw State University, who I'm no longer associated with, and also University of Georgia, where I've just passed my ninth anniversary of being a teacher with them. So it is um, uh, it's interesting. It keeps me keeps me alert, keeps me up on the field, and. Uh, and then lastly, I am a blog writer, and that's why we're on the, the show today. I've actually been writing my blog coming up on 13 years uh, this coming August. Mm. Um, so I, I've, I've been in that part for a while, and I am prolific in it. I, I post five times a week in my, um, <clears throat> in, in my blog, which is Omega HR Solutions. So I'm the co-founder and chief consultant and actually only employee of Omega HR Solutions based here in the Atlanta area. Cool. So I'm glad that you figured out that the chimpanzees were craftier than, than people and, and that you went into the HR world. I'd hate to I'd hate to have to read a blog about chimpanzees every day. So, you know, that's a, that's a terrible joke. But uh, anyway. Well, you, uh, I'll tell you, you, you never know humility until you've had a chimpanzee tell you have stupid jar. So, and yeah. I have had that happen. <laughs> and they have some unique ways. In my limited experience, they have some unique ways of sharing their opinions. We won't go any further <laughs> down that path. Um, right. The, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about before we jump into Sherm um, is a few years ago, you sort you, – you, you, I think – I, I, I don't know that you sort of did it. I, a few years ago, you kind of declared yourself as being interested in being thought of as a futurist uh, in the HR Correct. space. And you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what it takes to to be a futurist any more than I know what it takes to be a guru or a ninja. And I'm not making fun. Um, but, you, I mean, you've done some interesting work and had some, like, I know your association with IBM and some other stuff. You want to share a little bit about that with that part of your work and life with us before we jump into Sherm? Sure. One of the things that I, you know, six, seven years ago, I would get frustrated in the conversations with other HR people at Sherm meetings. Um, and, I, you know, I would have read something that I would ask them, you know, what they thought about that. And they go, oh, I don't have time to pay attention to that. I'm so caught up in what's, what was going on yesterday, they can't pay attention to what's going on tomorrow. And I thought, you know, that's, that's really short-sighted because we're reading all this stuff about how the world of work is supposed to be changing. At that time, it was by 2015 and then 2018 and, you know, now 2020 and 2025. And I'm thinking, you know, if all this stuff is supposed to occur – by the year, you know, 2018 or 2020, depending on which year I was in, I said, you know, that's really only three or four or five short years away. And if the world is supposed to change that much, you need to be paying attention to this stuff now. So I have done a tremendous amount of reading of books written by futurists. I probably have a library in the realm of somewhere about 40 books that talk about the world of work, the way jobs are going to change, um, and what it takes to pay attention to the future. I've, I've created a blog post called Future Friday, where every Friday I write about some uh, future subject, just trying to make people aware of what they need to pay attention to. 
I've presented a number of times around the country uh, on a program called, uh, you know, how to make your, how to become a practical HR futures. And I have steps in there that uh, I, I can tell the audience about. Here's what you need to do. Here's how you create create the scenario. Here's what you need to be paying attention to. And then how can you actually physically do that? How do you keep up with the reading? How do you recognize uh, trends and how do you recognize mega trends and those kinds of things? And it just fascinates me. I've I've been interested in the future for a long, long time, um, both as a futuristic type of thing. I read a lot of science fiction. Uh, but at the same time, I stay grounded in what's happening on a day-to-day basis. And rather than just talking in big amorphous terms about what the world of work is going to be, I take little bits and pieces about it and try to give some practical advice to uh, HR people on what they need to be trying to be prepared for. Um, you know, and it, I've seen more and more that, uh, you know, subject matter enter into people's presentations. You know, Jennifer McClure, uh, a, a great speaker and friend of ours, does a great presentation talking about the future of work. And uh, Josh Burson uh, certainly does a lot of work in that arena as well, and I'm probably missing about another dozen or so. But, I, you know, I would say that six, seven years ago from an HR standpoint, I, I think I was one of the first to start to talk about it. Um, now, mm-hmm. not a whole lot of people really know who I am, so I don't know how much influence I really had in that. But I, I find it absolutely fascinating, and I find it distressing that HR people, even today, uh, don't really pay attention to not only what they should be doing next year, but what they should be doing five years from now. And they don't have a clue about how they can go ahead and prepare for it. So that's that's sort of my mission uh, with that blog post of, uh, of Future Friday. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about it not not the future per se, but the, the you know the changes in the work workplace and all the technology. And you know, there's a tremendous focus, especially in the recruiting space, around how technology is going to change work. And then, of course productivity and, you know, self-driving cars and robots and oh, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And I, it occurred to me yesterday, and I kind of randomly posted it on Twitter, maybe both last night, that it, it seems to me that we're, we're at a time where the, the role of HR needs to be a little bit less about what the future of technology in the workplace is going to look like and a little bit more focus on helping the people that are that make up our workforce get ready or you know to deal with it other than just to be replaced which isn't necessarily uh, going to be the case i just saw some data the other day and i was talking about that you know ai will create will delete x million jobs but will create x million plus you know i don't know that anybody really knows that number but i think we i think we're getting to your point i think we're being a little short-sighted sometimes in the industry and hopefully you know, there are people doing good work, but hopefully more ge- more generalists at smaller businesses and stuff will start thinking about it soon as well. Um, six minutes, Mike, to talk about Sherm. Six and a half minutes. You've done the blog. Uh, you've done the blog squad before, um, and I guess one of the things I wanted to ask you is, wh- what's you know, what's your what's your interest this year in Chicago? What do you hope to accomplish? Have you done any interviews? Just kind of like, what's your plan of attack for, you know, taking on Chicago sure. this year. Sure. 
I have actually done two interviews so far, and I have a third one scheduled. Uh, so far, I've talked to a fellow by the name of Alfredo Castro, who is going to be talking about strategic storytelling. And I've written a number of blogs on the importance of storytelling in our businesses. His uh, presentation is going to be an absolute great one. It's going to be held on Monday, June 18th, so I would encourage people to potentially get that on their on their calendar. Um, it is He's talking about, like I said, strategic storytelling, and engaging new talents and and in the in the global workforce, um, and he himself is global. He is he's Portuguese. He works out of Brazil, uh, and he works both in South America, Europe, and North America. So he's got that global perspective as well. And in fact, I think he's done some stuff in China as well. Um, and I've wondered how how well Portuguese translates into Chinese, but you know who knows. Um, but his 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 you know. I, I'm I'm a big fan of storytelling, and I think it's a good way to convey a message. And in fact, I'm writing a, my blog post right now. And if you think along about how long humans have been on Earth, most of the conveyance of information has come through storytelling and not writing. So, it is uh, an important uh, human uh, element in talking about how you remain relevant in your job uh, and keep you know robots really don't do a good job of creating or telling stories. People do that. People who are much more practiced at that, you can make it an art, you can make it a skill, and I think uh, that's what Mr. Castro is, is going to tell us about. The other one um, that I am, that I, I interviewed is Paul Endress, who has a company called Maximum Advantage, and he's going to be talking about what's called, what he calls reflective listening. Now, in, you know, we all know in HR how the importance of listening, both in dealing with employees and dealing with candidates, and we're all taught to be active listeners. Um, but Paul talks about the fact that active listening is not sufficient today. You need to be much more of a reflective listener. Um, you know, active listening is basically just parroting what you hear. Reflective listening is taking what you hear and interpreting it and feeding back your interpretation to that individual. And he says that's, that's a skill that we're not very good at, and it's uncomfortable. So he's going to talk about how you get over that discomfort in being a good communicator, uh, how you need to be paying attention to some of the physiology of listening, uh, which is, I think, akin, and I'm going to have to go to his session to hear it, but uh, I think it's akin to, to body language. And he, he, he's saying that in the process, um, hands are extremely important in the communication process, and so he's going to teach us a little bit how to pay attention to those hands. So I think there are a couple great sessions that, uh, that I'm going to go to, and I would recommend other people try to, to catch those as well. Um, and, and, and then just you know, getting back up to, to Chicago. Love Chicago. Lived there for about three years and uh, always enjoy a visit back there, and uh, and I'm looking forward to just reconnecting to all my blogger friends who I see virtually throughout the year, and now this gives me a chance to see them uh, in person. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully we'll have a steak, and I, I, I just saw a minute ago, uh, well, half hour and a minute ago, that Kate Bischoff has challenged Dave Ryan and I to figure out where we're having drinks on the first night. So I guess I'll let you know when we when we, I, I I said I vote for a bar, but she she wanted a more more specific decision. So I I'm gonna 
I guess I'll have to consult with my my Chicago Oracles, Dave and Dave Ryan and John Jorgensen, and come up with some place downtown where we can all go hang out, uh, or just find out where Steve Brown is or whatever. There's there's always a way. Uh, yeah, there. So, so like, what 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 are the most you, enjoyable? Go ahead. Sure, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Next question. I said I was going to say one of the last time we were in Chicago, one of the one of the most enjoyable dinners we had. Uh, there were six of us, and they, they were all guys at that time, that uh, we got uh, at a steakhouse with good drink, and uh, and I think we ended up with a cigar later. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that opportunity again. So. Yeah, I, I skipped the cigar part. I can't take those, but uh, all good for anyone else that wants to. Um, so I had some rapid-fire quick questions before we close out, and I, I already know these answers, sure. but are you a Coke or a bit Coke or Pepsi fan? Coke. Uh, you're born in Atlanta. You have. Pep, 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 Pepsi is South Carolina. Coke is Atlanta. Is <laughs> pro, pro bacon or against bacon? Oh, bacon, bacon, bacon. Love bacon. Bacon, bacon, bacon. All right. So anyway, and I had one other one, but I forgot what it was. So uh, there, there, there was two <laughs> rapid fire questions. Um, any, any like ten second last tip for people headed to Sherm 18? I mean, we've got comfortable shoes covered and all that. Any secret you want to share from your experience living there or otherwise? Well, I'm going to parrot a little bit of what uh, you had talked to to Steve Brown about in your interview, and it is don't be afraid to talk to people. You know, a lot of people go and uh, stand there in line and don't talk to the person that's next to them. Don't be afraid to do that. I think it was in Chicago where you actually heard um, uh, Daniel Pink talk about the fact that we're, most of us are tend to be introverted, that um, he said yep. in reality we're amberverts. You can step out of that introversion, and you need to do that if you're going to get the most out of your session. Don't be shy. Talk to those people. Nobody in that uh, environment is going to judge you. Nobody in that environment is going to bite you. It is probably one of the safest environments that you can ever have an interaction with other people with. And you're missing an opportunity to learn and to meet if you don't do that. I'm not sure how much of that is left. The stream ended about 10 seconds ago. Um, but we'll see. Maybe that made it on to the final final voice uh, recording. Mike, thanks for being on okay. the I'll see you in I'll see you in Chicago if I don't see you before then. Okay. Let me ask you real quick. How, how's how's your wife doing? She's doing fine. She's uh, she's at her home. Uh, she's you know got some recovery to do. She's it's coming along as expected. So thanks for asking. Okay. Um, I'm glad to hear that she's recovering. So. All right. Bye. All right, thanks. Bye.